Let us read God's word from 1 Corinthians 1, verse 10 through 13. Hear God's word. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? This is God's holy and inspired word. It contains all that we need for faith and for life. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. Let's again pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you over and again for your Bible which is contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testament as the only guide by which we may glorify God and enjoy Him forever. We ask, O Lord, that you would be inclined to speak through me, the preacher of your word. And we ask that you would speak to the congregation this day, And have them receive it clearly and abundantly. And may it penetrate hearts. So we ask for myself and for the congregation. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. As I was reminded the other day, in his high priestly, in his high priestly prayer that Jesus asks the Father to keep his disciples in unity. That is a significant prayer. It means that the will of Jesus is that you and I be one, as the Father and the Son are one. If that is the case, it means that we must strive for peace and unity if we want to do the will of Jesus. As a matter of fact, if you took membership vows, you have promised to submit yourself to the government and discipline of the church and promised to study its purity and peace. Since Jesus prayed for unity, it is natural to suppose that it will be difficult. We will be tempted and tried to divide. The work of the flesh is to produce schisms, And that is our natural inclination. This will not happen without the work of the Spirit and with the fruits of the Spirit. Satan will do his utmost to Satan will do his utmost to have the church break up into schisms and threaten to divide. We have seen throughout church history and divisions after divisions that have taken place. Today in the PCA, we are undergoing matters that may end in division if we are not reconciled. It centers on the doctrine of sanctification 
and I fear that it may lead to separation. Even in these days of the COVID virus and the surrounding conflicts and political unrest, the church has been tempted to divide for non-essential things. And even we are not absolved from that temptation. This indeed is a text for the present day church. Even our own church. If we take the high the Lord's high priestly prayer seriously, we will not be flippant about the division in the church. We will make every effort to pursue peace in the church, clinging to the promise of Jesus that he will keep his church and that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That brings us to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And Paul gives directions that if followed, the Corinthians, and, and indeed us, will not divide the church. Paul commends to us to make every effort not to produce schisms that bring the church to the brink of division. That brings us to the doctrine of the passage, and it is this. We must not be guilty of dividing the church, making effort, every effort to maintain peace and unity of the body. I'll repeat that. <clears throat> we must not be guilty of dividing the church, making every effort to maintain peace and unity of the body. In the exposition, I want to discuss this. First, the appeal... Second, the reports. And third, the rebuke. First, the appeal. Verse 10 says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and in the same judgment. First, the appeal to us is as brothers. In this verse, Paul appeals to the Corinthian church as family members, as members of a spiritual family. He, is, he says, I appeal to you, brothers. Know this, that this does not exclude sisters, but in this day and time, the husbands were heads of the households. And as such, he appeals to the head of the household, which includes sisters. As one commentary said, he affectionately cares for them as fellow siblings in God's family, the church, and he continues to call them brothers throughout the letter. Paul acknowledges that the Corinthians are a spiritual family, and as such, we should not be arguing with one another. If we, if we are, this is a, a reflection of sin and misery. I like to say this hyperbolically, um, but me and my brother, um, me and my brother get along for about three days. I'm speaking hyperbolically, so if my brother is listening, I pray that he doesn't take that as an offense. But we, we uh, reside together hyperbolically for about three days. The first day, 
We are so excited to see one another that, that we embrace one another and, and we compliment each other and, and all that. But by the second day, we're not so excited anymore. And we take jabs and, and we, you know, we give jabs and take jabs. But by the third day, we pick on each other. And both of us get offended at the jabs and respond in offense. And we just need to pack it up and go home. Because it is frankly miserable. Well, you know that I'm exaggerating. I love my brother dearly. But I think you might get the point that I'm driving at. When brothers are fighting, it is just plain miserable. And more than likely, sinful. The fighting of the brothers in Corinth is just plain sinful. This will be a good time uh, for an application. Know that we in this visible, ch- in this visible church are, are brothers and sisters of the same Heavenly Father. God the Father expects us by Jesus' high priestly prayer that we should do things to promote our peace and unity that we share as a spiritual family in Christ Jesus. Romans 12.18 says, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. I would recommend to you all that you read Romans 12.9-21 and apply that to your current circumstances. It would surely lead to peace and unity. Furthermore, he appeals to the Corinthians by the name of our Lord. Remember all the things that we have said formerly. If Jesus is Lord, then he is also your master. And you have the obligation of serving your master. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 6.24, You cannot serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. If he is our Lord, we are obligated to do everything that he asks. When Paul appeals by the name of the Lord, he is essentially saying, You have confessed Jesus as your Lord, your master, your sovereign. Therefore, obey him. This is not negotiable. That everything that Paul says has been given by the inspiration of God. And thus, we need to obey everything that Paul says out of reverence for Jesus Christ. In other words, Paul is inspired by Christ. And when Paul gives a word, you have the message of Christ. As one commentator says, their reverence and love of Christ and the regard for his authority as their Lord, should, should induce them to yield obedience to the apostles' exhortation. It was not out of respect to him, but out of regard to Christ that they should obey. Paul finally appeals to the Corinthians that there be no divisions among you. Paul is making a specific appeal in verse 10, that all of you agree And that there be no divisions among you, 
but that you may be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Paul says this in the strongest way possible, that all of you agree, and that there be no division, and that you be united in mind and judgment. He says five terms so that you may not miss the point. You have no authority to divide, and you must agree and be united in mind and judgment. So would Paul have us agree on every matter? Paul doesn't specify here. So we are not permitted to speculate. But this takes sanctified wisdom to know when you should separate. However, you should attempt with your utmost to walk in unity of mind and judgment. This is obviously the point of this passage from the inspired apostle. But this moves us to our second heading. The report. We find in, in the report from Chloe's people that division has already begun. Verse 11 through 12 say, For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers, What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paulos, excuse me, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. It is reported to Paul that schism has already taken place, and it it is reported to him from Chloe's people. Some commentators believe that Chloe was known by the Corinthians, but wasn't necessarily a Christian. But that Chloe's people reported to Paul were almost assuredly Christians. Some, however, disagree. But either way, they are not behaving properly. And this brings shame and dishonor on Christ. In the New Testament, in the New Testament witness, schisms are said to be a work of the flesh. Remember that in Galatians 5, That division and dissension is a work of the flesh. Galatians 5.20 says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, and divisions. And in Romans 1.29, unbelievers are described in these precise terms. However, Paul promises that if you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. But the Corinthians are walking in dissensions and division, strife and enmity, proving that they are not walking by the Spirit. The unbelieving world knows that you and I ought to be different. I was in college, it was the summertime, and I took a job as an intern for my youth pastor. I was with two unbelievers. The unbelievers were engaging in inappropriate conversation, and I joined in. I'll never forget what one unbeliever said to me I thought you were a Christian. He needn't say anything else. I 
I wanted to hide in shame because I knew that brought shame to the Lord. Unbelievers know how you and I should behave. They know that we ought to live differently from the world in which they live. I don't believe that they can explain it, but they know it when they they see it. They cannot express in a word that we should be holy, but we know it. And we are called to be saints. If we don't walk in that way, it brings shame on us because we know that it brings shame on our Master. To divide upon non-essential matters is not very Christian-like and is unholy and not taking seriously the prayer of our Lord. So what are these schisms that they are dividing on? We have several probable identifiers that leads us to the possibilities. So that, was, that is, our, uh, that is uh, what we're uh, encouraged to think upon, <clears throat> the possibilities. What I mean, verse 12 says, what I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. It is not revealed to us, but we may be permitted to speculate into the possibilities of Paul's mentioning these rival teachers. Gentiles follow Paul. Gentiles could be said to follow Paul. After all, this church was most likely predominantly Gentiles, and Paul founded the church in Corinth. They were, more likely, they were more likely converted under Paul's ministry during the second missionary journey. After all, Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. So this would make sense. Paul says that you shouldn't be divided over your teachers, even myself. But there are more possibilities. The Jews follow Cephas. Or Peter. We understand that Cephas is the Aramaic equivalent of the name Peter. And both names refer to the Peter, excuse me, both names refer to Peter and uh, Peter the Apostle. We can assume from 1 Corinthians 9.5 that Cephas had traveled to Corinth with his wife. We can reasonably be certain about this. But regardless of the case, the Jews were dividing this way. As Galatians 2.8 says, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, Paul was an apostle of the circumcised, meaning Gentiles, and Peter was entrusted with with the gospel to the circumcised, meaning Jews. Peter and Paul were both entrusted with the gospel. They were fighting on the same side, but the Corinthians were divided up into camps. One said, I follow Paul, and the other, likely Jewish, said, I follow Cephas. There's another possibility that Paul mentions. Uh, It is the rhetorically minded follow Apollos. The rhetorically minded follow Apollos. Acts 18, 24 through 28 
Now it says, Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scripture. I, Apollos was well educated and had training in eloquence and rhetoric in the Greek schools, uh, in the Greek rhetoricians from Alexandria. Priscilla and Aquila heard him speak very eloquently and took him under their wings and informed him in the knowledge of Christ and sent him to Achaia. This was precisely where Corinth was. We have good reason to believe that Apollos was in Corinth, and these followers of Apostle, who were uh, rhetorically minded or eloquently minded, despised Paul as a preacher. So they reasoned, possibly, that they followed Apollos. The final possibility is the people who say, I follow Christ. You may be saying that this is right. This is the right one to follow. No creed but Christ, they say. That was a famous motto from one denomination around the turn of the 19th century. However, Paul places these people in the sinful divisions of the Corinthians by the following verse. Thereby, these people are sanctimoniously saying that they follow Christ. This moves us to our final heading, the rebuke. In the rebuke, Paul asks three rhetorical questions. In verse 13, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? These three questions if they receive a negative answer, express the oneness that we share in Christ. But only in Christ. They would imply we are one in Christ. We are one in Christ's death. We are one in Christ's baptism. However, these three questions denote the Corinthians were not one by their division. He asks the first rhetorical question, Is Christ divided? You should give a resounding answer, no. No, Christ is not divided and has never been divided. O Corinthians, they are implying that Christ is because of your divisions. The body of Christ cannot be divided. However, by sects and schisms, they once were giving the Excuse me. However, by sects and schisms, they were giving the impression that Christ can be. But that is ridiculous. Christians are one in Christ. Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you all are one in Christ Jesus. If we are one in Christ Jesus... Christ cannot be divided. This is a rebuke to the Corinthians. That by your division, you are implying to the ever-present eye of the world that Christ can be divided. So Paul produces this rhetorical question to shame those who are divided and lead them to repentance. The second rhetorical question that he asks is, Was Paul crucified for you? 
Again, you should give a resounding answer, no. No, Paul was not crucified for you. Jesus only was crucified for you. The Corinthians should immediately perceive the absurdity of this question. We express spiritual unity when we acknowledge that only Christ was crucified for our sins. Yet this, again, is a rebuke to the Corinthians. By their disunity, they are somehow suggesting that Jesus was not crucified for them. By making ultimate allegiances to Paul, or Cephas, or Apollos, they were indicating that their ultimate authority is not to the Lord Jesus. For that they must repent and be led to faith in the Lord, who is the only authority of the Christian life indicated by his death and resurrection. Paul asks a third question when he asks, Were you baptized in the name of Paul? Again, we should give a resounding answer, no. No, you were not baptized into the name of Paul. But you were baptized into the name of Jesus Christ. Baptism in the Son implies the indication of your chief authority. In this instance, Paul asks this question to note the sinfulness of the Corinthians in associating his name with baptism. As Romans 6.3 says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. These questions are meant to rebuke the Corinthians for their sinful divisions. And this leads us to the applications. If we are to pursue peace and unity, we should act like spiritual family members. God is our Heavenly Father. The Son has us as His bride. The Father and the Son give us the gift of the the Spirit so that all Christians are spiritual brothers and sisters. If we really believe that, that we are all spiritual family members, we would deal much better with each other, and this would include that we should make every effort to promote unity with our spiritual family. That means, and there could be lots of other implications by this, that means that we will avoid gossiping and slandering. If you, do not, if you do not know something with absolute certainty, you should not talk about it, and thus be guilty of dividing the church into rival fractions. Factions. Just maybe he or she spoke to you in confidence, not wanting you to repeat it, so it would be an indelicate, an indelicacy to blab your mouth about something that is not to be repeated. Remember that according to the Word of God, you are to put away gossip and slander. Colossians 3.8 says, But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. And in 2 Corinthians twelve twenty, For I fear that perhaps when I come, I may, I may find you not as I wish, and that you may not find me as you wish, that perhaps there will, 
there may be quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. And Ephesians 4.31 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with malice. I encourage, uh, I encourage you to put all these things away from you and pursue peace and unity of the body of Christ. I would also encourage you to not impugn motives. This involves thinking the worst of regenerate people. Give people the benefit of, that, uh, of the doubt as long as you are able. That may be difficult when you see certain things that may offend you. And that may not be possible if they reveal that they were intentionally trying to offend you. But it may not be what you think. And it probably isn't. There could be lots of other things mentioned here. But I just want to encourage you to do these things and keep from dividing the the body of Christ. Also, remember that love covers a multitude of sins. This captures the the emphasis of 1 Peter 4.8. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. And it goes on, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another and good stewards of God's varied grace. This all starts with love. The love of God and the love of your neighbor. You will not show hospitality without loving God and one another, and especially without grumbling. You will not love one another without loving God and loving another. And you will not be good stewards of God's varied grace if you don't love God and your neighbor. Love truly covers a multitude of sins. If you love Christ, you will not want to divide the church because He has prayed that you and I would would be one as Christ and the Father are one. He has been crucified for you, for your sins. And we are baptized into his death. And Paul appeals to you as brothers and sisters, by the name of the Lord, that there be found no division among you. Let it be so. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we commend this word to you that we may pursue peace with everyone. And I commend myself and this congregation to you to to establish oneness and be at peace whatever you do with and be at peace with all men in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let it be so. Let us unite. 
Let us be one in Christ and not utter the words of Paul that I, that I follow Paul and I follow Apollos and I follow Cephas and I follow Christ. Let it not be so that we divide for anything or anyone and reflect the unity of the body of Christ in whose name we pray. Amen.